0: Welcome to Under the Radar, a show about independent iOS app development. I'm Marco Arment. And I'm David Smith. Under the Radar is never longer than 30 minutes, so let's get started. So today we wanted to talk about uh, speaking at conferences. Uh, David and I have both done a lot of it. Uh, David, you're right in the middle of, <laughs> of two conferences now. Uh, and we a, a lot of developers um, you know, both attend conferences and also many developers are asked to speak at, at developer conferences. And so there's... There's certainly a lot of, um, I don't know, a lot of interest around this topic, I'd say. And uh, we figure we go over like kind of what it's like to speak at a conference, why you might want to, why you might not want to, um, the process involved and, and kind of how to manage it. Does that seem reasonable?
1: Yeah. And I think it's, it's a kind of thing that I remember being very intimidated by when I was early in my career. That when I was in the phase where I would really only ever attend conferences and I'd kind of go and I'd see these people do this thi- this thing up on a stage and it would feel very scary. And my hope is that we can kind of make that a little less scary or at least put some handles on it for if you're someone who is trying to think about getting into this or wanting to start doing conference speaking um, to make it a little bit less scary because it's not really as scary as it may uh, sometimes feel.
0: Yeah. And so, you know, first, you know, it's, it's, let's assume that there's a conference that you either want to submit a proposal to or that has asked you to speak. So so assume basically that you're in the planning process uh, or the deciding process. One thing to think about is like, is this the kind of thing you want to do and, and what are you looking to get out of it? Uh, it is not a... A quick or easy process. It is. It is not something you can just kind of blow off and and get on with your life. It, it, it takes a lot of time to prepare for a conference speaking, and uh, you know, like I, I mean, I would say most of my talks, I'm probably preparing for maybe a week ahead of time, like sol- a solid week, and that that might not, that might be spread out across you know more time spans. But it's about of w- about a week of work, I would say, for for a good talk. Uh, is that is that about it right for you? I'd say so. I mean, I think
1: I probably spend typically. Two to three days just getting the talk like I want it um, in terms of the structure and the slides and the overall kind of flow of it. And then it's probably another couple of days this where it starts to become more spread out, um, but of just practicing, of going through and doing it over and over again, and especially depending on how long your conference slot is. you know. So sometimes I go, I've done conference speaking where I'm only doing you know, 15, 20-minute talks, um, where rehearsal is a bit easier because you know doing a full run-through, you can do pretty quickly. But I've also done talks where it's 45 minutes to an hour, um, where then the rehearsal schedule gets a little bit longer and more drawn out because... Because if you want to do a single run through, takes you know it takes a full hour to to, to do that run through. But overall, yeah, I'd say it's about about a week if you want to do it well. Um, and I think that is something that I, when I was first sort of my, my the first time I ever said yes to doing a conference speak uh, speech, I remember having no. Real concept of how long it was going to take. I was like, oh, you know, it's the kind of thing. Maybe it's in like I'll spend an afternoon, kind of putting it together. Um, and you know how wrong I was about that. I think <laughs> yep. was a, is a good thing to say, just because if you don't plan for it in that way and val and factor that in, whether you can both you know, afford the time for it, and then you know, if you actually just have the ability to do it, um, is definitely something that if you're not f- expecting it, like it's it's easy to imagine that you know the output only if it, you know in some ways it's even harder when you're just trying to put together a 15 minute talk it seems like that should be really easy but trying to have something that's concise and to the point in that period of time takes way more effort
0: um, than you'd probably even imagine yeah i mean like like one of the places i usually start is by writing out the the bulk of what i'm going to say kind of like in in like a, an outline format that's kind of like an informal outline so it's kind of like halfway between an outline and a blog post uh, because what the basis of any good talk is some kind of coherent story that runs through it. So you know a good talk should basically read like like if, if you if you read a transcription of it, it should basically read like a good blog post, you know like a persuasive essay or a good story or something like that. And so it really helps a lot to write it out. Uh, you know, even if you're not writing out exactly every word you're going to say, just to at least write out like a, a, a general overview that is readable, so that you can then treat it a little bit like a blog post as you're writing it and be able to edit things, move things around, reframe things in ways that make more sense as a coherent story. Because if you don't do that, and and so and I've had talks where I've done that, I've had talks where I haven't done that. <laughs> the ones where I the ones where I just opened up Keynote and just started making slides. Uh, have always been substantially worse. The the ones that I start out like just as the, as a presentation that way it just always worse. It, it the my best talks and I haven't done that many, but ultimately like my my good talks are the ones where I have written it out basically as as a blog post style of speaking and structurally first and then gone and made the slides from that point. And this is all to say also that um you know that 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 You should treat it not as this kind of full waterfall process of like, you write it all out, then you make the slides, then you go give them. All of my talks I have edited up until like the night before I've given them. Sometimes the same day I've given them, I'm still editing them (laughs) because uh, what you realize during rehearsal, which you you should always rehearse your talks, hopefully even more than once if you have the time. Uh, before you give them uh, because rehearsing it like by yourself running through it like actually like standing up with a clicker and having your laptop in presentation mode like actually like running through it as you would give it giving it to a room of nobody is incredibly valuable to get a sense for kind of what works what doesn't you know how it flows how it doesn't flow like what parts you stumble over what parts need to be rethought or don't belong or kind of Break the rhythm or whatever else. uh, The the rehearsal part of it is invaluable, and I highly, highly recommend that you never give a talk that you have not rehearsed uh, if it's this kind of format. And we'll get to whether I I have some nitpicks about this format that I'll get to later. But in the kind of traditional format of you have a person standing in front of a crowd with a microphone and a presentation clicker, going through a slide deck and talking, you need to have rehearsed that uh, because otherwise. It, basically, it shows if you haven't rehearsed it, and it really helps to get out a lot of the a lot of the um the problems that like you you kind of stand them away if you go through some rehearsals and realize what doesn't work and, and edit what's needs to, what needs to be edited
1: yeah, and I think too it's what I find is most helpful when I'm preparing some of the talk and it, I don't quite do the go the road that you do where you kind of outline it like I tend to think it through in my head and um it's the kind of thing that once I sign up for a talk i'll Like in the back of my mind for like a month, I'm kind of running through this vague sense of what I want to accomplish. And I think one of the key things that I found is that if I can condense what I'm trying to say to, you know, a few sentences or a one minute kind of overview, like I can kind of get this kernel of like, this is the thing that I want the audience to come away with and i can be very concise and specific about that um i always find that's very helpful for me to prepare a compelling talk and as i go through my rehearsals i can kind of judge if i'm going down any dead ends or things that aren't connecting back to that main point um because the reality i think too is as at, like i used to be really scared of public speaking and and a lot of that was coming from overemphasizing i think the uh, the reaction that your audience is going to have to your talk that you put all this time and effort into it and the reality and you kind of you would in, initially i used to think that everyone is going to be like hanging on every word and really <laughs> thinking about it and, and like internalizing it but then i started to go to conferences and i realized that i what i leave with a talk is a general impression far more often than i do like a specific like a detailed understanding or analysis of what someone just said like you kind of get this high-level, well, that's kind of what they were saying. And if what you want to do as you're preparing it, I feel like, is to make sure that that impression that you're going to be leaving someone with is the actual impression that you're trying to leave them with. And so as you do it, if you have this th- the core thesis that you can kind of compare all of your notes, slides with, compare all of the little like, anecdotes or the lines of thinking you're doing towards, I feel like that makes it a much more compelling thing
0: because everything is just pointing back um, to the same point over and over and over again. You know, when when you're writing it or when you're thinking about what what it will be like to be, to give a conference talk, and maybe you're stressing out about it. Like one of the things that that I that I read, I think it was like the there's that one book like about that everybody reads about giving presentations. I've totally forgotten what it is. <laughs> this is one, and and I I read like the first, I read like the intro basically, <laughs> and that's it because I don't read very very well. But uh, one of the things I learned from that, which which is a, a very valuable lesson, is that you know if you think about what people stress out about it. most of the time people are stressed out uh, uh, with the prospect of giving the talk about what if i say uh or um too much or i stumble over a sentence or or i i fumble something or i don't say something right and the reality is that if you actually if you've been to conferences if you actually think about it and and actually pay attention to what people are saying word for word take like a little transcription for a minute in your mind and you'll see that people on stage are constantly fumbling, f- f- you know, fumbling over their words, or constantly saying uh "or um" or like. And you are actually auto-correcting that in your head as you're listening. So it doesn't really matter at all. That is not that is not a kind of thing you need to worry about when you're doing that kind of public speaking. It, it basically the room does not care if you say uh "or um." They just don't care. So that's not that, that isn't something you have to worry about. And you're right that you also have to worry less about like the, every single thing you're saying being great or accurate or tied together because the room is going to have very different levels of people paying attention. Uh, especially, you know, look around at a tech conference. Anybody you see with a laptop, they're not paying attention. Anyone with the phone in their hand, they're not paying attention. Anyone who's going to get a coffee or drink, they're not paying attention. So, you know, you're, you're talking to maybe a third of the room who's actually listening. Uh, and But w- where it can help to have a coherent story is, is to keep people's attention like if if you're kind of all over the place where there's some rough spots in the presentation where like you're throwing in stuff that didn't really need to be there or you're not really say or you're telling some kind of long convoluted story that doesn't really make sense or whatever else you're giving people opportunities to tune out uh, and so if you can keep them engaged with something that's a little bit better rehearsed and edited more people will hear what you're trying to say and and people who want to pay attention will have an easier time paying attention yeah, and I think it's also probably fair to say it's always better
1: to run short than run long. Yes. um, You know, I mean, obviously, conference organizers, if you're, if you're somebody, they give you a slot, you want to be respectful of, you know, if they say it's a half-hour slot, don't show up and do a 10-minute talk. Like, that probably wouldn't go well, but... On the flip side, if you have to go one way or the other, always run short. No one's ever going to be like, oh, you know, it's it's like if if you leave the audience being like, oh, I I wish he would just talk. had talked for hours and hours. It's like, you're doing great. Don't worry about it. Um, But on the flip side, if someone's like, oh, why won't he? Is like, is he ever going to finish? Is this like, where is this going? That is far more problematic than
0: um, being too short. Exactly. Um, And then I guess the, the next thing to talk about is kind of like if you're going to do one of these talks. Kind of the mechanics of like what what should your presentation include? What should it not include? Uh, how to do certain things? I mean, number one that that these presentations almost always include is slides. You have some kind of slide deck, usually from Keynote, uh, or if if you are in the Microsoft world from PowerPoint, and you go through the slide deck, and and it can be like you know meaningfully structured or whatever else. It could be heavily designed. It, it could be very bare bones it could be all pictures or all text or whatever else i would say from my experience making slides there's always going to be other people at the conference whose slides look way better than mine and that will make me feel bad but the reality is that spending a lot of time on your slides especially the kind of conferences that that listeners of the show would attend or be asked to speak at you know a lot of like kind of nerdy ones spending a ton of time on your slides is a massive time sink that will never end and it's probably not worth stressing too much out about like I mean one of my talks I gave at uh, at Singleton a few years back I didn't even have slides because I was like I had had a, a bad experience with slides in a, at a previous conference and I said alright next, next time I do one no slides it was totally fine like if you have like a good enough story to speak uh, and you can keep people's attention well enough by what by just the words, and it's a little bit harder, but it's possible. Uh, then doing it without slides is actually kind of freeing and wonderful. Um, but you know if you're gonna have slides, I would say again, for for the people listening to the show doing like you know geeky and programming t- types of conferences, uh, I would say don't spend a whole lot of time. Try to make them the the most incredibly designed slides ever. Keep them very simple. Uh, you know, don't put a lot of text on them. Just keep it keep it simple. You know, s- you know, single sentences or words. Uh, pictures, if you have to show pictures, uh, definitely don't be reading off of them. You know, simple stuff you can get from pretty much any uh, you know guide on on how to do good presentations.
1: Yeah, and I, I think in many ways it reminds me of app design and the way that I have to approach it myself. Where I always admire slide decks that. Are beautiful and really well put together and really clever. But the reality is in the same way that I'm not really an app designer. And I can't make, like, there's a certain kind of design that I love to look at in an app, but I just can't do myself. I understand that in the same way, when I'm designing a keynote deck, I can't make it look pretty in that way. And so all of of the presentations I think I've ever given I open
0: up Keynote. I choose the first template which is a black background with white text. That's very important by the way because if you if you you any know, at any conference you see like you see the problems when somebody has a white background, basically this is being projected by a dim crappy projector onto a gray wall or or screen. So like anything that that has like a white edge, it's going to be all like you know this blurry white edge and it's just going to look like a big a big square in the middle of the wall. Like whereas if you have a black background and and white elements, uh, then those elements seem like they're floating in the middle of the wall. Uh, there's you don't see the borders around it basically, uh, th- and that's why that's why Apple's slide decks are, are always you know like when they're presenting things, just, it's always black backgrounds with things just kind of floating in the middle. That's why it looks better and it's easier to see for the people in the room.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. and then beyond that, I think like just like you said, it's being careful to. I for me, my slides are usually like a short phrase like two or three words on each slide they're just there for emphasis they're not there to convey any information typically like every now and then they'll have a slide that's you know it's like it's a graph or it's a picture or a diagram where it's supposed to convey information but otherwise it's just you know essentially whatever sentence i'm saying right now if there's something i want to emphasize it's on the slide behind me and it's kind of like not like a transcript in that way but it's If you just went through and listened and looked at the slides, they're just there to emphasize things. Um, But the next thing also I wanted to mention too, is it's the importance of if you actually are doing this and you actually like the experience of doing it. So, you know, you signed up, you've built this presentation, um, the actual experience of going and giving a talk, um, some things to keep in mind. One is you always want to, or ideally you'd always want to do it, not like a run through in the, in the venue, but you ideally will have your slides on the on the machine that they're going to be run on. You're going to want to have the clicker. You want to stand on the stage and, you know, just hit next slide a few times, make sure everything looks good. Make sure you feel comfortable with where everything is. Um, like the worst thing is if you just, you know, at the last minute, hand somebody a, a zip drive, which is kind of amusing, but in conferences are the only situation and I can encounter now where I ever have to use like a little USB thumb drive. Yeah, uh, Because that seems to be the universal way of getting conference slides to, uh, the organizers, but you hand that to somebody, like you don't want to be handing that to them the moment before you step on stage, because who knows what's going to happen when they try and open that keynote deck. And so you want to do a quick run through. You want to kind of make sure everything's together. And for me, at least I find too that it helps, makes me a little less nervous if I, it's like if the all of the practical logistic parts are taken care of, that I know. I know where I'm going to be. I know what I'm going to hold in my hand, what kind of microphone it's going to be, for example. Like It makes a big difference in terms of if you are going to have a handheld microphone um, where you're going to have to be aware of keeping that in a, you know, in a constant place where your mouth is. If it's a lapel microphone where you have to be careful of how you move your shoulders because um, if you have a lapel microphone, sometimes you need to be careful that you don't turn your head um, the opposite direction of your shoulders where suddenly you can you know th- you your voice starts to fall off from the microphone or if it's the really cool ones the ones that kind of like stick out of your ear and um come down where you can have a bit more flexibility but it's a good thing to run through that and in my experience if you ask an organizer hey I'd love to do a quick run through of my slides like I want to be more prepared I very rarely will you encounter an organizer who's like no 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 you know that we can't do that. Like their, their, their goal is for you to do well. And so it's always a good idea to try and do that. Do a quick run through. Make sure you feel comfortable in the space and are confident that everything's going to work. And so you don't have those things weighing on you as you're getting ready to actually do it.
0: All right. So now we're going to talk about uh, basically, you know, things like, is it worth doing spe- doing conference speaking and why you might want to in the format, etc. But first, our sponsor, uh, which is always worth talking about, our sponsor this week is Linode. Go to linode.com slash radar to learn more. Sign up and take advantage of a $20 credit uh, or you can use the promo code radar20 at checkout. Linode is an amazing web host. They have, they offer a combination of high-performance SSD Linux servers spread across eight data centers around the world. They're a fantastic solution for your server infrastructure. Uh, David and I both use them. We've used them for a very long time, way longer than, than they've been sponsoring the show. Uh, with Linode... You can get a server up and running in just under a minute with plans starting at just $10 a month. That now gets you two gigs of RAM for 10 bucks a month. That's incredible. Uh, you can also choose your resource level, your Linux distro, whichever distro you want. They have a ton they support, and your node's location and all their data centers right from the manager tool. Uh, Linode servers are great for things like running private Git servers, hosting large databases, running web apps, running a mail server, operating back end services for, for powerful applications like iOS apps, and so much more. Anything you can do with a Linux server, you can do at Linode. With industry-leading native SSD storage and access to a 40-gigabit network, you will have all the power you need to get your tasks done. As a listener of this show, if you sign up at linode.com slash radar, you'll not only be supporting us, but you'll also get $20 towards any Linode plan. And with a seven-day money-back guarantee, there's nothing to lose. So go to linode.com slash radar to learn more, sign up, and take advantage of that $20 credit or use promo code RADAR20 at checkout. Thank you so much to Linode for supporting the show. So we've basically talked so far about like if you want to do conference speaking, like how you know some general tips and pointers as much as we can fit into like eighteen minutes uh, of of how to do it, kind of you know how to write and how to how to how to do some technical sides of it. I want to talk a little bit about though um, reasons why you might want to do this at all and reasons why you might not want to do this at all. Uh, this you know if you if you get to any level of of notability in in a, in a field uh, especially in the tech field you, you are likely to be asked to speak at some kind of event or conference uh and, and especially you know like in the, in the in the in our little world of of app and tech people we have lots of conferences big and small uh many of them are kind of more commercially run and where the, where the speakers are getting paid a, a substantial amount um, and the tickets cost a lot of money and they're usually larger and they usually appeal to like wide you know wider markets like a java conference or whatever um and then you have a lot of these like smaller indie ones uh that that i think the ios world has more of those uh, typically where you have like smaller budgets oftentimes the speakers are not getting paid uh either at all or like the, the you know they might have their travel expenses and ticket covered but no additional money after that or some some small amount like you know under two thousand dollars say uh, obviously that it varies for you whether that's considered a small amount but some some in that range you know and so you can you can look at like whether to do this as like basically if you're going to be a professional conference speaker if you are going to if if you want to speak for money if if the money is what drives you here you really need to be doing it a lot and that's why like the people who speak on conference circuits they they tend to make a small number of talks and give each one a high number of times. Sometimes they'll give the same talk all around the country or all around the world at different events for like a whole year. Because that's their business. They make one amazing talk that is applicable to a wide audience in a certain industry. And they go around the world and they get paid good money because that is effectively that's their full-time job or that is most of their job. Uh, or you know, or you know, maybe they use that to build credibility to sell more books or, or they write books to increase their speaking fees. While speaking So it's, that is a whole career. And if you want to do that, that is a very different career than being a software developer. And that might be well suited to you, but uh, I you know you have to decide you know whether that's the kind of career that you want and all the things that come along with it, like a lot of travel and things like that um, if if that's not your goal, if your goal is simply to speak at a conference because it it might be fun or you want to attend that conference, and that's an easy way to attend it uh, or you want to promote something that you're doing like an app you're making, that's a very different job and that in in that kind of case. Whether or how much you're being paid is way less important because chances are whatever they're going to offer you is not going to be worth the week plus of work that you're going to lose by, by agreeing to do this, not to mention you know, the, the value of, of whatever stress it might put you through. Um, so the money part of it, I think, is is almost irrelevant for most people who are in our kind of business because it's not going to be enough money where the money is going to matter to you uh, in, in all likelihood. Uh so, I would say ignore the money part of it and and really think about like, do I want to do this to promote something or to give back to a conference i've I've loved for years or or to just get better at public speaking or whatever else uh and that's a very different question and so, like to me i've actually decided over the last couple of years that it is almost never worth doing it for me because i I get so much stress about it and and i I lose so much time to it. And that even when I go to a conference to speak at it, I end up not really able to enjoy that conference until my talk is over, which is often at least halfway through it. Uh, and and so it is, and like all like the the fun like socializing and 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 things that happen before my talk, I basically don't enjoy or don't even get to attend. So I I have recently found that I would rather just do like podcasts and occasional blog posts to get my message out and hardly ever speak at conferences, and then just attend conferences because I enjoy them, and that way I'm able to enjoy them, rather than really do a lot of talks. And that, that's why I do almost no talks anymore. What do you think?
1: So I think there's a tricky balance. And I think for sure, I think you're right in the sense that I, I don't do conferences for financial reasons. Like, they're, they're, they're definitely a loss, um, part of my professional career at this point like that's and going down the route of trying to do it more professionally where you would actually get reasonable speaking fees and things it's just a whole other world that i don't really have much interest in and i think when i was starting out and it had the first time like a conference organizer reached out to me and said hey i think you'd be a good fit for this conference um i remember it's like i wanted to do it mostly just to so that i would have done it um and not it's not in like a like a oh, look at me, I've done it kind of thing. But a bit to eliminate this, like the fear of it, that I think public speaking is one of the things that it's so easy to get scared of, to really have genuine, honest fear about. But the only way you can really get over that is to sort of work on it and try it. And if you're well prepared, it's a little, you know, it's less scary than you might expect. And largely, I do conference speaking now just for the purpose of practicing and developing that skill. Um, to make it easier and better for myself down the road, um, to give myself opportunities that I may not otherwise have to speak at. You know, there are some conferences that I you know, have, would have uh, always wanted to go to, for example. And it's like you, you kind of have the goal of like, well, maybe one day I could get to speak at that. And the only way you're going to be sort of good enough to do that is if you have practiced. And one thing I will say is a nice way to start out if you're kind of trying to feel this out for yourself, is it something that's worth it for you? Is it something that you'd like to do is to start small? And there's a lot of conferences that are small, like really, like I think of like CocoConf as uh, an example of this, where it's a, this, a relatively small multi-track conference that is probably able, you know, anyone with who is able to put in some preparation could probably speak at. Or another example is a lot of user groups, mm-hmm. you know, while conference speaking is a bit more, Sophisticated a lot of local you know user groups will have monthly things where someone gets up and talks for ten minutes, twenty minutes about something cool they're working on, and you can kind of get a feel for it. but it is a tricky question to say like is it worth it because um, I think it's something that you typically are doing for reasons other than strictly rational reasons like it's for me it's a lot of it's about conquering a fear and being comfortable doing this so that I don't have this part of my professional Um, skill set that I feel like is is you know is isn't there because while the nature of being an independent developer and doing work, you know, largely by myself, is not that I need to keep work you know have tremendous communication skills, but I would feel bad about letting those skills just sort of fall waste, and so. Overall, I think it is a tricky thing to find that balance. And I think it is very important to understand that it is a huge cost and sink in terms of time that, you know, it all said and done, like uh, I'm speaking at UL this year. And that is a conference that's in Ireland. So in addition to like a, roughly a, maybe a week's worth of prep, I'm also going to be flying somewhere and dealing with jet lag and then dealing with jet lag on the way back. Um, in many ways, we had these similar conversations when we were talking about going to WWDC. Like, is it worth it to go to that? Where, you know, you can kind of get a lot of the, the feeling of it without actually going. You can get a lot of the information, but there's something different about actually going. And for me, conference speaking is a great way to kind of get myself to go to more conferences because I feel it's a hard thing to sometimes decide, Oh, you know, do I want to pay to travel? Do I want to pay to buy a ticket and be away from my family to attend? It makes it a little bit easier where I feel like I'm, I'm accomplishing something by doing that, that I'm getting better at speaking as a result. And typically it's helpful that they pay for the accommodation, the travel and the ticket. Um, But there's definitely a balance to be struck there between, Is am I getting enough out of it? And the nice thing about conference speaking is, you know, if if you really want to do it and pursue it a lot, you can probably find opportunities to do that. If you only want to do it one or two times, you can probably find a way to do that too. Like there's an it's easily scalable up and
0: down uh, between the two extremes. Yeah, and I mean, you know, to close this out because we're out of time now. I, I think I would say if you're on the fence about whether to speak at a conference, reasons that you that you don't need to worry about are things like. What if I'm terrible at it? What if people laugh at me? Like that—that that doesn't really happen in this community. Like that—that that literally never happens. Um, so you don't have to worry about that. I think what you mainly have to worry about is—is is it worth it to me? And and if you've never done it before, it's, it's it's a good reason. Just do it, as you said. You know, just just try it, just to find out if it's worth it for you. You might find that you love it. You might find that you hate it. But you sh- you should you know if you have the opportunity to try it, try it, uh, and then decide from there.
1: Exactly. And I think that's the right way, way to think about it. Just keep an open mind to it. And it's an important thing to just try. And if, if it doesn't work, that's no problem. But if you, you've learned something about yourself in the process.
0: All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Bye.